Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing The Purge from 2013. Directed and written by James DeMonico, starring Ethan Hawke, Lena Headey, Max Burkholder, Adelaide Kane, and Reese Wakefield. In this film, in a dystopian future where all crime is legal for one end of the year, things don't go as planned for a well-off family who expects to spend the night sheltered safely in their secure home. If you're new to the show, we're going to talk about spoiler-free background info on this movie for the first 15 or 20 minutes. But after that, we will play some transition music and go into spoiler mode where we walk through the plot in detail, spoil everything, and review the movie. Uh, yeah. I've, I've never seen this before, Ash. Had you seen this? That's crazy, man. Yeah, I've seen this. I know. I've seen like some of the sequels as well. So you haven't seen anything in this franchise? I haven't at all. And I, I think that's strange of me. I'm not sure how I missed it. So kind of had it on my radar for a while. It's like, A, I should see this. B, we should cover it. I'm kind of surprised that uh, you picked this one. Uh, like, uh, does I, I guess I, I never assumed like the horror community would like embrace this film. Um, like, does that, like even like the tags on it are like sci-fi and drama and thriller? Do you, you think it counts as horror? Boy, I always assumed it did, but as I watched it, I was like, maybe it's not. There's no horror tag on IMDb. Um, I forget where I was looking. Uh, maybe it was like on Amazon when I was like renting it or something, but. Yeah, it didn't say horror, um, but it does kind of play out like a home invasion film. So, uh, I think of it as a home invasion film. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it has a horror tag on IMDb, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. All right. So y- you think the horror community regards this as one of theirs? Yeah, <laughs> some people might, some people might not. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to cover on the show, even the cover of the movie. It markets itself as a horror movie. It's a Blumhouse film. Hmm. It's got a mask on the cover, a man in a mask. Yeah. The main villain wears a mask. It it has the trappings of a horror film. I think you're right. I feel like maybe later, uh, the, the later on uh, franchise movies, yeah, the later installments, I think, moves away from horror more into like social commentary or, or, or sci-fi in that sense. But yeah, at least this one, I think you're right. Okay, gotcha. Um, before we go too much deeper, I, I have a couple of, or maybe just an announcement and some Patreon shoutouts. So I've been asked by many people lately if we're going to cover Barbarian. And if you're wondering the same thing, the answer is that we did cover it. We covered it on our Patreon. We did the same with Smile. So there are full episodes on Smile and Barbarian out there on Patreon and plenty of other bonus episodes. If you want to subscribe for a dollar a month, Go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange Patreon button. Or you can just go there, subscribe for a dollar a month, listen to the Barbarian episode, and then cancel your subscription. We won't be mad. Uh, Speaking of patrons and Patreon, shout out to two new patrons, Jaquana and Natalie. We appreciate you. Uh, Yeah. And as we were saying, this is quite a franchise. It's spawned... What a five five film franchise sounds like there's a six in the works, and a TV series that ran for two seasons from 2018 to 2019, and like a haunted house somewhere. It, it sounds like or like some kind of like Universal. I don't know if it's Universal, but somewhere they made like a whole uh, attraction around this. Okay, yeah, I remember a Wikipedia that's a section of the Wikipedia page that said, "And a haunted house, 
somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you read that part too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the franchise section. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what have you seen? Uh, the Purge Anarchy was 2014, the Purge Election Year 2016, the, pur- the first Purge 2018, the Forever Purge 2021. Which of those have you seen? Uh, I feel like maybe just the first and the second one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that was the second one, but definitely just like hearing the titles, like election year and stuff like that, you kind of get, it gives you the sense of like where they're going with the franchise, right? Like it's getting more and more political or heavy on the social commentary. Sure. Right. Did you like how I did that thing where I have to list the title and release year of every movie in the franchise, but I casually worked it into the conversation. Exactly. You didn't even realize it. It wasn't just you reading it off. (laughs) 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 Nicely done. So, have you happened to see The Purge Anarchy 2014, (laughs) The Purge Election Year 2016, The First Purge 2018? (laughs) Real natural. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So, this stars Ethan Hawke, who probably is most recognizable this year, at least, as playing in the black phone. By the way, I was really kicking myself when I listened back to our Creep Show episode today, like, proof, proof listening to that. We were talking about Joe Hill, and I was like, I think he did Mr. Harrigan's phone, but he did the black phone. We no were just way. talking about He did the black Yeah, he wrote that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Kicking myself. Ethan Hawke, like, yeah, uh, between these two films uh, and also Sinister, I mean, he's, he's kind of got like a decent horror uh, d- um, filmography under him. He does, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Gattaca? Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool, like, sci fi one. I was always curious about that movie, and I've never seen it. I just I wondered if there were any horror melon, horror elements in there. I don't think I so. I think I said horror, <laughs> horror, horror melons. melons. Yeah. I love those, <laughs> love those melons. Oh, the horror. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that one's more straight-up sci-fi, but curious what others gotcha. think. Okay. And then Lena Hetty is probably most famous for her role as Cersei from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Hey, was she wearing a wig in this one, you think? Uh, I never once considered it. Do you think so? Yeah. Just because of like when it was shot? Was she bald in Game of Thrones at that point? Oh, no. I just thought it looked like a wig the whole time. Um, Oh, okay. I was considering it the whole time. But yeah, I guess I I don't know what what she looks like uh, outside of uh, Cersei in this film. Okay, now that you say that, I think I remember a section of the Wikipedia page that said, hey, was she wearing a wig? <laughs> I wrote that Wikipedia page, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm starting to starting to piece some things together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, There's I, I, another section. So how do you spell herb, yeah, and why is there an H? Exactly. What's up with you guys? Pronouncing <laughs> it that way. Uh, I, I like Lena. I, I feel like she's a great actress, uh, especially from like her work in Game of Thrones and stuff. Are you a fan of her? Incredible in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, it's interesting. So this movie had a budget of three million dollars. It made about ninety, which is like thirty times its budget. Biggest film of the weekend when it was released. Without spoiling too much, Ashwin, how do you think it is, spoiling too much of your review, that is, that an original horror movie not based on any IP that has a 40% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 36% user rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a mere 2.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd, how did it make $90 million at the box office? Is that 
just entirely due to marketing and the fact that Blumhouse was kind of on a streak at this point? Yeah, I, I think it is marketing the premise. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like when it came out, uh, t- to me, it, did, it didn't hit like hardcore horror. It felt more like kind of an action-y like, thriller um, like a game of survival in, in a way. So, uh, I think it like just really catered to the masses with like a really cool, fun idea. And then like, you've got Ethan Hawke in there. Who's like a pretty well-known name. So yeah, I would say between Ethan Hawke and then the premise of the film probably pulled people in, but obviously it didn't pull you in. Um, when, no, not, not at the time. No, Oh, but like nine, would you say 80 million or 90 million? It made 89.3 million. W- would you consider that like big blockbuster uh like you know like a marvel film comes out that's usually like in the hundreds right yeah that's no marvel film but it's it's up there that's a pretty pretty big movie like yeah i think once you get us get up towards 100 that's you're in the maybe like top 25 top 50 of the year Um, yeah then, then you're right that is a pretty big surprise yeah and i mean the blumhouse name was probably starting to be fairly recognizable at this point um it was on the heels of paranormal activity from 2007 insidious in 2011 and sinister in 2012 so Mm -hmm. they were making a name for themselves um it's also distributed by universal which has a big advertising budget sure uh would you participate in a purge um no i don't like to do things other people are doing so Mm. probably not um gotcha what about you you think you would see any benefit in this i certainly would not really i would not participate in a purge yeah you know uh i feel like the the concept of a purge is all around like you get to go around and you kill someone right but it's it's not just killing someone it's like that all crime is legal so what about like like i would come and like poop on your face or something and and, and leave like that that sounds appealing uh or, or you know like there has got to be something else that you would do right that's not a crime if I consent to it. <laughs> That's true. We do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of purge. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's a really interesting thing to think about if there's this whole other purge ecosystem where people are just like streaking and yeah. like, I'm going to try spray paint for the first time as a 67-year-old exactly. man because yeah. I've always been curious. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go tag something. Right. Well, yeah. I would love to see a more adorable version of The Purge where people just dip their toes into minor crimes. Yeah, why not? It's, it sounds awesome. I, I, I think, yeah, I would participate in that then. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably like come home and be like, honey, I stole a Snickers from the gas yeah. station. <laughs> or like I drove like 40 miles over the speed limit or something. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Minor crimes would be a lot of fun. <laughs> be a good movie. Um, yeah, I don't... The movie really banks upon the fact that people will participate, so I'm sh- I, I probably will discuss that in the review a little bit. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I don't have a whole lot of background on this movie that's worth sharing. How about you? Uh, two things I found interesting. First is the inspiration of the story. So there was a Star Trek episode that uh, has like a, kind of a similar plot. Um, that's so the I, I saw that cited somewhere, but then I also saw that his wife one day like told him, like, uh, it would be great if we all got to kill one person every year for free. So uh, I can't tell what the did you read about either of those and like what the inception of this movie was? I did not read much about the inception of this movie. Um, okay, I'm concerned about his wife. 
if, uh, yeah. if that was a thought that went through her head. You know, it was after an incident, like a road rage incident. So I don't know if that justifies mm. it. <laughs> I think we can all understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we kind of skip background on the director, James DeMonico. He had a hand in writing some pretty iconic films. He co-wrote 1996's Jack, starring Robin Williams as a rapidly aging man. He co-wrote The Negotiator from 1998 with Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey, which was a big deal, I feel like, when it came out. I think I saw that in the theater. Um, And then in 2013, he did some other films too, but in 2013 came The Purge, and that, you know, that was it for him. I don't think he directed all these movies, but I think he directed a couple more of them. Yeah, yeah, really uh, surprising background for the person who would ultimately direct The Purge. They kind of fall over the place. Right, right. And good for him if that kind of ended up being a, a big payday. If he hadn't, I mean, hopefully he got a big payday from Jack and the negotiator. But Yeah. But speaking of paydays, that, that was the second thing I wanted to call out was, so I read somewhere that the way Blumhouse works is that they pay a scale. So the cast and crew receive uh, a scale for the movie. Um, and then they receive a percentage of profits. What I think that means is there's some like low fixed amount that they get up front and then they all get like a percentage of the profits. So this statement I read was implying that Ethan Hawke probably earned more than he's made off of any movie because of the success of this film. Like I think he only got paid $3,000 up front, but the huge success of this film and the way that Blumhouse structures its, uh, payouts this might be uh, Ethan Hawke's most profitable film. Is, is that any of that terminology makes sense to you, or is that how movies generally work? Or I, I don't know how the, these pay structures work. Like, don't actors usually just get a fixed amount per role? I believe so, but I am so ignorant to how the deals work and how the pay structure works and how incentives are structured. I would love to know more about that. Um, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but I feel like. It's kind of cryptic and shadowy when you try to research that kind of stuff. So if someone has insight on that in general for the industry, you should enlighten us. But yeah, that's cool to hear. That that makes me happy. I think you get to a certain point in your career, too, where that's got to be pretty compelling. Like, hey, like this could make a – I'm going to just try this, and if it blows up, I'll be all set. Especially if you're Ethan Hawke where your star power alone can – Yeah put enough butts in seats to make that a pretty big deal for you. Yeah, yeah, then why not? It's, it's cool that Blumhouse kind of has that model because then it sounds like everyone like benefits from the film's success. Right, yeah. Cool idea. Speaking of payday, maybe I'll steal that from the gas station during the purge Ooh. instead of the Snickers. <laughs> it's a tough choice. <laughs> maybe both. It's the purge after all. It is the purge. Go nuts, man. <laughs> Payday's got nuts in it, right? I think I can go nuts with either option. Oh, uh anything else those are those are great little things you brought up uh that's, thank you that's all i got what, what else uh you got an ohio connection for us i got an ohio connection from our friend alex who connects every movie we watch to our home state of ohio for us he owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in cleveland ohio so if you're in the area come say hi to alex uh and have a delicious drink and a delicious meal. Alex says The Purge is a dystopian action horror film starring Ethan Hawke and Lena Headey as members of a wealthy family who find themselves endangered by a gang of murderers. The film was produced by Blumhouse Productions, known mainly for horror films such as Paranormal Activity, Insidious, Get Out, Happy Death Day, and The Invisible Invisible Man, among countless others. In 2020, they produced the supernatural horror film Run, Sweetheart, Run, which stars actor Clark Gregg. 
Greg is best known for playing Agent Phil Coulson in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, The Avengers, and Captain Marvel. Before dropping out, Clark Gregg attended Ohio Wesleyan University, located in Delaware, Ohio. Cool. That's awesome. Damn. He said that was one of the hardest ones he's ever no done way. for some reason. Wow. Yeah. He was like, this is harder than foreign films, and I don't know why. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that this one would have had yeah. a Ohio all over it. Um, dude, I, I are you going to see your run, Sweetheart Run? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that name popped up on my radar just the other day and I was like wait what's this I don't know anything about it what is it uh, uh, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of promos for it on like Instagram and on Amazon I think it's streaming on Amazon so uh, looks cool it's a, it's a new Blumhouse film fair with the plot okay. is but yeah Blumhouse man they're, they're killing it I know it's, uh, quite a volume yeah where do you think they rank in terms of um, like studios or uh yeah, like I feel like every year they're getting a bigger and bigger slice of box office revenues. That's a good question, man, because they, they make a decent amount. I don't think they make as much revenue as some of the bigger guys, but their budgets are always just like 3 to $10 million. Yeah. So it's they got to be pretty profitable. That's like their sweet spot, right? It's, yeah. It's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting model. Good for them. Cool. Let's let's uh, walk through the plot. Let's spoil some stuff, but... um. Pretty sure I just heard the doorbell. Do you mind holding on for one second? No, sure. All right, I'll be right back. Hey, man, I'm back. Hey, who was it? Well, you know, my wife had beaten me to the door, and I just kind of overheard her talking. Whoever was there said that they knew she was sheltering a podcaster and that she had five hours to turn me over. Oh, shit. <laughs> Are you so, hiding now in the closet? <laughs> let's get this done, and then I got to figure out my shit. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fair. Because <laughs> the annual podcaster purge. Podcaster purge. <laughs> There's too many of us. There really are. You like all the memes I send you on that? Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, this film opens with some exposition via intertitles, news reports, historical footage, etc., establishing the fact that this film takes place in the year 2022, which was the future back then, nine years into the future. After a period of very high poverty and crime rates, a political party or a group or something called the New Founding Fathers instituted one night a year called The Purge, where all crime is legal and emergency services are suspended. Uh, we learn that ever since this night was instituted, the unemployment rate is 1% and crime is way down. Did you find it odd that this was just like nine years into the future? Should it have been farther or do you think this was the right choice? I wonder if you'd gone further, like uh, added 10 years to that, then you'd have to like kind of uh, mess with like technology that's available or like show really futuristic shit. So maybe it was like a conservative play. Like this isn't too far in the future, and so cars are still a thing and uh, houses still work. That way, houses still work. <laughs> yeah. Still Look out, everybody! In twenty <laughs> yeah. years, houses you, you heard it here from Ashwin first. Your house—it's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. It is. It's just not going to work. It isn't. <laughs> These things aren't built to last. 
Hello, 911. <laughs> My house stopped working. Uh, okay. Yeah, at, at first I was imagining that pitch meeting where it's like, it's a dystopian future. Oh, what year? Nine years from now. Yeah. <laughs> what? But you're right. I think that's probably the, the big reason for it. Yeah. Um, or the fear of like, hey, humanity isn't that far from this or that that's the true. country isn't that far from this. That's true. I mean, do you get a lot of that vibes like in these opening sequences and like the way they're talking about this holiday? Like, does it feel very familiar to you with like current holidays or traditions? <laughs> no, not not in my family. Uh, how about you? Do you guys do anything like this? <laughs> I I saw like um, parallels to like Halloween, where it's like it's cool to, uh, it's like tolerable to like go to people's houses and ask for candy or you know you, you lived in chicago st patrick's day like the shit that's tolerable here or like summertime in chicago like fireworks everywhere so i i think it plays there's like a, re- a realistic element to like this idea that like society does something dangerous that's like accommodated because it's like a certain day you know the most disreputable thing Chicago probably does on any holiday is dye the entire river green on St. Patrick's Day. That cannot <laughs> be. I don't care what it is they're putting in there. That cannot be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I doubt that. And they, how long they've been doing that for? Like decades, right? They've been dyeing the river green for decades. Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be messing something up. Uh, yeah, that, that's gonna come back to bite us. <laughs> that's that's what's gonna go wrong with the houses. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to come from these green rivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Watching like, uh, you don't think this beginning like feels believable in that sense. I'm going to say that I, you know, when I asked Alex, I was like, this feels like a movie. Maybe you would have watched. He notoriously does not really like horror movies at all. And he said, no, this felt too close to something that could actually happen here. Yeah. Uh, I'm hesitant how much of this to rant on before the end of the movie, but to me, once you really start thinking about it, it's like, no, no mm. way. Like, it's not just that crime is legal, but it's that people are encouraged to go do their worst, like to go murder people. And that feels so out there and, yeah. and feels like something that just would never happen. Mm. Uh I, I can see things going down a dystopian road in this country. I can see things becoming violent. I can see you no f- longer feeling safe in your home. This is not the way that it would happen. Yeah. This yeah. is so out there. But what do you think of the premise? Uh, I, I think you're right. Yeah, get, like, yeah, a, a day where, like, people can just murder one another and it's okay does seem problematic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe we'll get into that at, at the end because I feel like there's a lot that you can take from this uh and apply it to like certain practices that are happening in society today right yeah yeah let's we're gonna it's inevitable we'll we'll pick this apart a lot more um so that's what we learn we learn the big picture on a grand scale that's the situation that's the premise but we then focus in on one family on the eve of the purge james sandon is on his way home from work where he sells high-end security system He's excited to share the news with his family that his team was number one in sales this year. We also see his wife, Mary, talking with a neighbor who seems slightly jealous of how well the Sandins, Sandlins rather, are doing due to how many security systems James has sold. We meet their daughter and son, Zoe and Charlie. Zoe is dating a guy much older than her who suggests to her that instead of saying I love you like everybody does, they should growl at each other and that that will be their way of saying I love you 
and I throw up in my mouth a little bit, <laughs> and then <laughs> I thought that was pretty that cute. Is, oh, come on, God, man. really? <laughs> yeah, we would never work as intimate partners. <laughs> think so. If you said that to me, I'd be like, "We're done." You're all about like nuanced characters and like people doing something different. Uh, I feel like this gave, showed off a little bit of that their personality and stuff. Humanized. Yeah, them, right? it did. It, it did. <laughs> It made me think of who I would murder in the purge. <laughs> Starting that list, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. I scratched off ski, steal a candy bar yeah. and wrote murder anyone who howls instead of saying I love you. Nice. The son Charlie has a secret room in his closet where he hides and drives around a creepy little doll mounted on a remote control car, equipped equipped with a camera where he kind of spies on the rest of the family. It's unclear sometimes if they notice this thing come into a room or not. Yeah. Did you find that to be very odd? Really odd. Like, first off, he's, like, perving on his mother, right, while she's, like, bent over the kitchen counter with, like, this doll uh, that, like, looks super messed up. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't think they're as concerned about, like, his behavior as a normal parent should be. Not only do they not be concerned feel concerned but i don't think they even notice it like Hmm. if a remote control car with a psychotic doll mounted on top of it yeah wheeled its way into a room you were in you would notice well i think he tries to explain that by saying like he's made it like a sound not soundproof but he's like covered it in like some kind of goo that makes like that mutes the sound or something uh so i i think when he says that it's trying to like get buy into the argument of like why someone might not notice it come in but I agree. I think. Okay, I missed that. I missed that. That is still total bullshit, but <laughs> yeah, I, I missed that. It is. It is. I think it was a line they threw in there because probably people were thinking exactly what you're thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody somebody at the tippy top of Blum House, Jason Blum, was like, um, can't they hear that thing? <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll fix it, Jason. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll throw in a line. We got a line it. for that. Yeah. Exactly. We got a goo line. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the purge night begins. James reassures his family by saying, Guys, I know tonight will be scary, but we can afford protection, so we'll be fine as always. Did you find that line, as well as any others in the movie, to be pretty on the nose? Oh, uh, like about... Like, we can afford protection, so we'll be all right. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to outright say that was yeah, pretty... And and I think, like, throughout, like, you're getting this commentary on TV where, like, just, like, talking heads are talking about, like, how the poor people can't afford uh protection and they're the ones who like suffer from their purge so i think you get hit with that like numerous times throughout this film yeah you do you do so james the the father of the family arms their security system the same kind that he sells he also owns and the family goes their separate ways in the night which seems like a generally bad idea for this kind of night but whatever we learn that the daughter's boyfriend has snuck into the house before it was armed and he plans to talk to her dad man to man because the dad's not okay with her dating such an older kid. And he's like, I'm just going to go talk to him, sort it out. He then attempts to shoot James, <laughs> uh, but James fires back and kills him. At the same time this is happening, the son Charlie has witnessed on a security camera a man running through their neighborhood asking for help. So Charlie opens the security system. His father James closes it soon after, but it's open long enough for this man to slide under the closing gate and get in the house. Uh, the family's wondering who this is and how to handle it, but they're interrupted when Zoe's boyfriend attempts to murder James. So this guy comes into their house and then like scuffles away in the chaos. I have many questions for you. <laughs> here's the uh, here's an inherent problem 
with the purge, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can do any crime you want for one night does not mean that social contracts, relationships, cause and effect of your actions do not exist. So this boyfriend thought, hey, crime is legal on this night, so I'm going to murder my girlfriend's dad, and then we will happily continue our relationship the next day with him out of the way. Yeah. Like, that, just because people don't, this is a, gets into a little bit of philosophy, which I'm probably unequipped to discuss. <laughs> people don't not commit crimes simply because it's illegal. Like, uh, well, yeah, but on this night, and I think the, the kid brings us up, Charlie, like, why don't you guys participate? It's almost like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a ritual that, uh, you're like uh, supposed to partake in. So killing someone during the purge isn't necessarily like considered a crime. Uh, so if he was to do that, I, I do think society like the 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 social the guilt element like wouldn't come in because you did it on a night that you did your patriotic duty, and uh, maybe that wouldn't be held against you because um, and and also he's a teenager so he's an idiot too. But um, I, I think I, you know I, I get the feeling and we see it with other characters in this film that. They don't see killing on this night, and I don't think society sees killing on this night as a crime. That is so... Okay. Yeah, but I'm talking, like, specifically. The next day, his girlfriend would be like, it's a bummer that you killed my dad. (laughs) But it was purge night, so do you want to go see a movie with me tonight? Like, there's no way (laughs) that that wipes that under the rug because it was purge night. Like... yeah. That's true. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's no way that in nine years, if you kill my wife because it's purge night, that we will continue doing this podcast <laughs> together. Like, <laughs> that is so unfathomable. Yeah, yeah. It's just so outlandish. So, there's been a few movies we've discussed where I've had this experience where you hear the premise and you're like, oh, that's intriguing. But then you start to like, map that premise out and how it would happen and you're like no no doesn't work and i just think this movie proves many times that it doesn't uh the premise is flawed i don't know man i i, I think i i don't think the premise is flawed i i, I think uh and, and you see like a lot of the violence here happens towards people with the intent you, you don't see like a lot of boyfriends trying to kill their girlfriend's dad in this it is usually people like targeting certain other groups that they don't have an emotional or relationship attachment to. And so in, in those instances, it works. Here, I think you just have a kid who has the wrong idea about the holiday and has can, thinks for some reason this could work. So I, I, it's hard to like judge the, uh, the, the, the logic of uh, this holiday based on a teenager. Okay, fair argument. Um, also, sorry. I'm going to be a big complainer this whole episode. (laughs) Settle in, everybody. Either get comfortable or turn me off. But how do people just, like, scuffle off and disappear in this house? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a big house. Yeah. But people, like, seemingly cannot hear anything or it's like they're gone. They just drop out of the mix for extended yeah. periods of time. Dude, it's a house. I, that part annoyed me so much about this film, especially the kids. Like they would show up, they like see someone in the hallway, and then they just like walk in a different direction and like, oh, I didn't see where they went. Where'd they go? <laughs> right. And then the parents would be like, Charlie, Charlie, yeah, wait, come back. <laughs> it's like yeah. he's just like down the hall. Yeah. What? Go down the hall, turn right. He's there. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, they do make a fuss at the start of this film about, like, this new extension that they've put on the house. So, me, you know, how many square feet do you think this house is? Like, it's got to be 5,000? Uh, yeah, 5,000 seems like a reasonable... Reasonable yeah, measure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I, I agree with that. Like, you should be able to hear people. And, and kids shouldn't be, like, walking off from their parents on a night where, like, someone's breaking into your house or someone's in your house and shit. So unbelievable that uh, even before things started to happen, that everyone just be like, "Okay, we're all going our separate ways for the evening." Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. This is the one night of the year where anything is allowed to happen. Exactly. Like, stay. Oh my god. Um. Anyway. And, and yeah, then especially after they know there's a stranger in the house, yeah. Zoe, the teenage girl, walks away. Exactly. There is a strange man in your house <laughs> yeah. on a night where. Crime is legal, and your attractive teenage daughter feels like yeah. she can be on her own. Exactly, and you're just letting her walk away into the dark. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so the plot thickens when a group of masked purgers arrive at the front door and demand that the man they've given refuge to, that the Sandlids have given refuge to, be returned to them so that they can kill him as is their right. They refer to him as a dirty homeless pig who had the audacity to fight back. Again, very on the nose. James James ends up admitting to his wife at this point that the security system can't really prevent an all-out assault. If they really want to get in, they can. They proceed to wrap this guy to a chair and plan to return him to the people outside. But as they're stabbing him with a knife to try to get him to stop resisting them taping him to this chair, they realize how they're now no better than the people outside. Uh, for what they're doing to this man, and they decide, hey, you know what? Instead of returning this dude, we're gonna fight back. Um, hey, and I go ahead. I thought that scene was kind of uh, effective, where like the kids are just watching on as the mother and father are like taping and like stabbing this guy with like a letter opener. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of disturbing. But what, what did you think? Hmm. Mixed feelings. It's not ineffective. It still felt like a little bit of a leap that were they were just like, we're gonna fight back. From like they went from like stabbing a guy in the stomach, yeah. and like then sticking the letter opener in his open wound to like, we're gonna fight this. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and dude, then they have this moment where they're like, we're gonna fight back, and they go leave to fight back, and they leave this poor bastard tied up, all tied up. Yeah. <laughs> what? I know. And then they lose the kids like, again. <laughs> we're gonna do the right thing let's go everybody and yeah. the guy's just like um somebody <laughs> yeah exactly i'm still here <laughs> oh my this god hurts. that's that's so stupid yeah that's stupid and then the kids i think go missing again <laughs> like they, they yeah, walk off right. in directions again uh yeah i think the parents really need a map of the house so they... <laughs> right exactly everybody does yeah yeah it's a big place to get lost okay in. so so the people outside they cut the power to the house and proceed to start breaking in. James fights back and manages to kill many of them before being stabbed and killed by their constantly smirking leader, who is kind of the villain of this movie. He's the one doing the interacting with them through the cameras and everything. He's a little stereotypical, isn't he? He's very stereotypical. And it's yeah. just like a night where anybody is encouraged to commit crimes, yet somehow we cast this person as like a complete psychopath mm. he, he, and, and such a villain but at the same time everyone's supposed to kind of be on board with this so it's a weird choice yeah sure 
I I don't know, man. I I, I think uh, you know, I he's he struck me and him and his friends kind of felt like these college kids who just like were um, elitists or whatever, or privileged, and here they are like chasing down some homeless guy, and they don't understand the impacts of their own uh or the consequences of what, what they're doing here and so it's like a big game to them so i don't know i thought there was some believability there in, in like the way they were carrying themselves okay yeah this dude just annoyed me yeah. um as james is dying the kid the kid made a point earlier of like showing that he was tracking his vitals regularly and he like uses his gear to track his dad's vitals as he's dying I hated that. Yeah. Did, did, did. That's, that was really dumb. I didn't get the point. <laughs> that was like, so forced. Yeah, like, it was. Oh, man. Yeah, like they set um, that up like uh, at the beginning of the film and like then it goes away and then comes back here. That was, that was so dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unrelated to anything else about this kid. It's not like he's a hypochondriac or obsessed with his own like health or, or paranoid about his body at all. Like it, it was just so blatantly in there so that they could have this moment where they realize the dad is dead, which, yeah, just felt painful to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, So this son, Charlie, he notices on the monitors that their neighbors are now leaving their houses. And as this gang of outsiders is about to kill the rest of the family, the neighbors step in and kill most of them, uh, with Zoe, the teenage daughter, being the one to finally kill this college-aged smirky leader. Um, Mary, the wife, is about to thank the neighbors for saving them when we realize that the neighbors only did it so that they could kill the family themselves. They're apparently upset that they, the family bought expensive security systems or that they, like, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting so angry that I can't even speak. <laughs> They're... <laughs> <laughs> they're upset with the family that the whole is, neighborhood bought these extensive expensive security systems from James and he was able to use the money to add an addition to his house. So now they're going to murder the whole family. This one <laughs> very very close to home for you or something. <laughs> he got someone in mind in your neighborhood. <laughs> That's just so <laughs> so laughably stupid to me. It is. That, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, do you, do you feel like there's uh, a comedic element to this film where it's like kind of uh, having fun with it and like kind of being a little ridiculous? No, I don't. But I feel like there should have been this. If this is your premise, I think it should have been a black comedy. And I think the main character should have been the people doing the killing. Like, I think it almost could have been like a Clockwork Orange type mm. thing. Not that, not a good, not to compare it to that movie in terms of impact or greatness or anything but yeah make it a black comedy where people are participating and then you can make a more biting commentary you can make it less on the nose Hmm. and you can be honest about how silly the premise is because it's a comedy in its own so you don't have to take things seriously you you don't have to come up with this reason that the neighbors are (laughs) really willing to commit cold-blooded murder of probably of two miners just because they bought willingly purchased some security systems from <laughs> this guy and he rightfully used the money he made to use 
for his own purposes? Like, <laughs> what? How, what? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I thought this was a great twist. Like, he didn't see it coming. And the, the neighbor is like, I mean, this is painted as like such a, a suburb by like, like, like uh, by the rules. Like in the beginning, we see them like giving them cookies and like being all friendly with each other. And here's like the polar opposite. So I, I just thought it was like playing on the ridiculousness of like, you hear these neighbors that you think are very polite, but this whole time they've been pining to you now, pining behind your back. And now they're here to murder you on this night so uh i i don't know i, th- I thought it was a cool way after this whole home invasion thing which was more horror uh in terms of like the the ways that they were attacking them now like kind of a, a silly kind of wraparound story here i think that could have worked if the movie was played in any way comedically but it is a serious movie and it's not comedic i mean you can read comedy into it but there. Are the traditional filmmaking elements that point to comedy are not present in this movie. Yeah. It's played straight. It is played straight, but is, is that called situational comedy when it's played straight? No, I don't think that's what situational <laughs> that's comedy is. That makes, the situation's comedic, but people are just playing it very straight. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm going to share a quick anecdote. So for a while, as you know, I got into D&D and I wanted to like be a dungeon master, but I was still pretty new to it. I was like trying to find people to play with. I worked really hard on this campaign and I had some friends over to play it, one of whom was an experienced D&D player. And at the finale of the whole thing, I think it was revealed that the villain just wanted to like use the natural resources to like of this town to like build a brewery or something or like sell beer yeah which like i'm making that sound even more dumb than it was it was there were like more layers but like that was the scope of it yeah and the guy who was an experienced D player he like just laughed he laughed at me <laughs> and was like this whole thing was about like building a beer business and i had this moment where i just like the blood rushed to my face and i was like Oh my God, it was. Like, I worked so hard on this thing and I was heads down on it and I didn't realize how stupidly frivolous the entire purpose of it all was. Yeah. And that is 100% how I feel about the neighbors planning to murder this family because their husband sold them expensive <laughs> security system. It was just like, oh my God, you built your whole movie around this and this is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I think... I think that James DeMonaco should be as embarrassed as I was that night. <laughs> First off, I don't feel like he should have been embarrassed. That's hilarious that that was like this huge epic uh, game. Like that was like the the final like uh, point of it. Uh, I I think that, that that's genius, man. And and I think hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I I don't think you should uh, knock yourself on that one. And uh, really well done in getting people all stressed out about that. And and same here. Like I feel like. Uh, he took a movie, made it like pretty tense and stressful, uh, and then yeah, uh, it kind of comes down like it unravels when like you have like something as dumb as like the neighbors just being pissed that they spent or these guys got rich off of them and using it. So they, I, I think it, this is a satire, man. It like points to the ridiculousness of like this holiday and how people use it and how petty like these these small like petty things are, like blown up into like this big uh exaggerated uh murder thing because of the situation there and so i i don't know if it, it felt uh I, I thought it felt grounded but you, you thought it was is out of nowhere i think it's so dumb i mean 
you describing it as satire makes me think like, oh my gosh, was there just like a tonal element that I totally missed in this movie? And while I think it is in a way a satire, it's played so serious that I just don't, I wasn't looking for those kind of elements to just be like totally off the wall and ungrounded in reality. Yeah. Like it seems like the same reason Alex said he like would be too afraid to watch this movie. We're like, oh, I could see something like this actually happening in our country. No, you couldn't. You <laughs> you couldn't see an entire neighborhood willing to murder uh, upstanding family, including their children, because they were jealous of their house. Yeah, yeah. That is a totally different world than humanity. In humanity's history, we've had some horribly violent times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hesitant to say that there are even periods where things is fickle like that, <laughs> unless you want yeah. to get into like the Salem witch trials, which has all, all sorts of other psychology built into it. Yeah, well, this is just so out there. I mean, that's the point. It's supposed to be like really extreme. On one hand, you have these people who are like hunting this homeless person like it's like some kind of game, and then on the other hand of the extreme, you have like this very like small grudge that like these neighbors feel like is worthy enough to like. Uh, be uh to to warrant this the murdering of like a whole family so i i, I think it's, it's it's pointing to like uh human uh yeah nor- normalcy of uh, normalizing uh crime human emotions um I, I don't know the catharsis the releasing of aggression they're talking about all these emotions throughout the film and i think that it's just a commentary on how far people might take that in different scenarios Okay, and it's plausible. Like you really think it's it's not okay. So I, I get the purge is like off off the bat like hard to believe that we would ever get to a point in society where like that's legal. But imagine that was legal. Why why wouldn't you think like it could result in like say you never mowed your yard and like it looked terrible and was bringing down home values in your neighborhood. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who you been talking to? <laughs> I, I heard, heard we doing that, uh, that, that, the, the, uh, what, the shovel, what, the, the snowblower? Yeah. So, so what, what if he... <laughs> the snowblower doesn't mow a lawn. Oh my God. <laughs> Your house isn't working, is it? It's, yeah. It's just falling apart, man. Uh, but yeah. I'm snowblowing the carpet. Nothing's working. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, like, the things that neighbors do that annoy each other, and who is to say, like, we've seen that in movies where, like, they, they kill each other to, to, you know, to, to make a point about, like, petty disagreements and stuff and extreme human behavior. I feel, yes, there should be movies like that, but I feel like they should be played with the tone of something like The Killing of a Sacred Deer or something like that. Not that I enjoyed that movie, but... I like that one. This this just one hundred percent should have been a black comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Totally. Uh, yeah, they could have tightened this up a bit because I do, I do think it like bounces around uh, in a few directions. Yes, yes, it does. Um, Ult- ultimately, I, I, I think it's a scathing critique of of hu- humanity, though, right, and human uh, behavior. Yes, it is for sure, but but too scathing. Too, it's out, outrageously scathing. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know you're so sensitive. About that. <laughs> Just as the neighbors are about to kill the Sandlin family, the stranger that they let in their house earlier, the homeless man, reappears and kills some of the neighbors. 
saving the Sandlands. He is about to kill the rest, but for some reason says it's up to Mary. Mary decides they'll all wait out the rest of the purge peacefully, but has to break one of the neighbor ladies' noses when she tries to pull something in the minutes before the purge ends. And as the sirens sound the edge of the purge in the morning, the neighbors leave the Sandlands' house, as does the stranger, but not before being given a sincere thank you from Mary for his troubles. As the film, <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks. As the film ends, we hear news reports that this was the most successful purge to date. The stock market is up. Uh, we hear of a public vigil thanking people who sacrificed themselves last night, and we also hear a man call into a radio show and say, "I lost my two sons last night. I was a proud American." Not anymore. This country has taken everything from me. Which, to me, led to a thought that could perhaps be this, the most intriguing commentary. Could it somehow be a commentary on armed forces or war, sending lower people, lower income people out to fight so the lower classes can sacrifice themselves for America's higher purpose of rising stocks, low crime, etc. But that intriguing commentary is saved for the final moments of the movie in a a news clip it's not interwoven through the story itself i just feel like there's so many things this movie could explore it touches on some of them briefly in exposition radio news tv whatever it doesn't really put those into the main story itself. There was like, like on the side. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, a, a person comes into your house and you have to decide whether to do the right thing and protect them or save your own skin and, and send them out to the purgers. That is a scenario that is so similar to so many other movies that it's almost independent of the premise. You've taken the interesting premise and reduced it to a very typical scenario we've seen in hundreds of other films. They've saved the most interesting parts of this premise for random exposition and clips about what's going on at large in the society instead of weaving it into the story itself. Instead, they're just being like, hey, the neighbors were mad that you made an addition to your house. I, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely, I think the future films dive more uh, deep into like the, the meat of like what you're talking about is like that, that uh, uh, the, the social commentary around it. But... Uh, I think this one does work from like the sense of like a family who thinks they're safe who are in their homes and like even they say in the film like oh this is supposed to happen to other people this isn't supposed to happen to us or like in this neighborhood so it's that idea that like you're safe from like this havoc that's out there and you're kind of like uh, you think you're better like you don't uh, participate in these things because you don't need to but suddenly you're like thrown into the mix and now you have to make these tough decisions so uh, I I don't know I, I do think it's it's a way of like bringing those ideas uh, into a place where someone is, isn't generally like, thinking about that stuff or like think they're a part of that discussion. Yeah, I think it's a big commentary on like not being worried about bad things happening in the world until it shows up at your doorstep. Exactly, in some way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with your point though that like uh, it, it kind of sucks that like you're getting all this commentary off on the side and not necessarily a part of the main story. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of commentary, I realized at some point that The Purge, I think, is a double entendre. It didn't really sink in t till a while into it, but 
you are purging yourself of these negative desires as a criminal, as someone who commits crimes, and you're also, from the government's perspective, or perhaps from your perspective, if you're these wealthy individuals at the door, you're purging the country of its least desirable elements since the whole purge disproportionately affects the poor. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you could read commentary on things like regressive taxes and regressive policies that help the wealthy and hurt the poor. Again, they don't hammer that home very much, aside from like really on the nose points in the dialogue. They don't let the plot of the movie speak to the themes. They let the dialogue speak to the themes. Often dialogue spoken by characters who are not even part of the movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I almost sort of preferred if they just didn't speak to that stuff because you could draw a lot of that on your own from the actions happening in the film. Like, what does this mean to the broader society? Uh, You don't need, like, all those talking heads, like, constantly being like, oh, because, yeah, they, they really hit you over the head with it throughout the film. They really do. Like some, I wrote down some specific lines. Like, like you said, I think you already said one of them. Things like this are not supposed to happen in our neighborhood. We get it. Like we're watching a wealthy family deal with this. We didn't need to hear that line. The the people outside say that piece of filth that you're protecting exists only to fulfill our need to purge. So on the nose. Like we get it. Like we can read that into the themes. It's. It's like it's made for children in some sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. And, and, and all the news broadcasts and, like, yeah, constant, like, back and forth. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think even if you, aside from the theme, I think a big beef that we both seem to share is the implausibility of the characters' actions and some of the events that take place. The So the power is out in the house, and the teenage daughter who's somewhere random in the house, hasn't even so much as called for help or called out to <laughs> or her parents. Or texted or anything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we know she, her 18-year-old boyfriend was significantly older, so it's not like she's an adult. She's like 15, yeah. 16. Yeah. Um, there are... Uh, there's a like, secret room in the house, right? Like the kid has a secret room. Right, that he leads the guy to. And it's never considered as an option for a place for them to hide from these people who are breaking in. Yeah. I don't think hiding uh, ever comes up. I mean, the kid hides for a second, but he's got his flashlight on, so they find him pretty easy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Hiding with a flashlight on in the dark? Yeah. That's not how hiding works. (laughs) That's, uh, I mean, the kid, it'd be different if he was like eight, but he's like, I don't know, 13, 14? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and seems to be depicted as like supposedly pretty smart. Yeah, <laughs> not so smart at all. I love how the kids really fuck the parents up in this movie from like beginning to end. It's like the the daughter's boyfriend, like her like uh boy, like her like kind of stowing her boyfriend in, and then her boyfriend like attacks, and then uh, how the son like opens the security gates, let that lets that guy in, and then how like they like she, he's even like helping hide the guy and stuff. I, it just feels like this is more of a battle between the parents and these kids who are just fucking the situation up for them the kids are like ruining everything yeah <laughs> yeah i enjoy that part but hard, hard to watch the whole thing. Yeah. um did you find the photography and the filming a little bit disorienting yeah and, like some of the action scenes oh you know i thought the one action scene in the pool hall or like in the game room was kind of cool uh there's like an axe and a gun and stuff and 
pretty well done. But, uh, and then there was some cool, like, uh, I think this is like very super stereotypical, like horror f- film stuff where like the, uh, the women or like, yeah, there's, there's like characters like are loitering outside the house and like some of the women are like swinging on a swing and stuff and being like creepy. So I, I thought that kind of stuff was effective, but what, what did you think? I thought that was pretty silly that there's like this an extended montage of just the people outside doing weird stuff for the camera, like assuming they're being watched for hours. It was forced. And then it's also like, okay, if there is this purge night where they just go out and murder people, they really want to spend like the majority of that one (laughs) night a year, like hanging out outside someone's house, like making faces into a camera. camera. (laughs) You can do that any night. Why do that on purge night? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of forced. Uh, I, I thought it looked cool, but it, 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 it wasn't very original, and it was kind of forced in there. Yeah, I didn't care for. There was a scene like the pool table. There was a specific moment where I think he like shoots a woman, and she like falls and like bounces off the side of the pool table. That was a cool moment, but I don't like this philosophy where like. During an action scene, you should shoot it from a bunch of different angles with a shaky camera and cut rapidly to all those different angles to force this sense of intensity. Like, to me, if I don't have an established sense of geography and space, it just disorients me, and that takes the sense of urgency right out of it for me. Maybe I'm old. No, hard to get Um, grounded into the scene, for sure. It is, yeah. Like, things seem more generic to me when all I can see is random flashes of movement across the screen, and I can barely even tell who's who like i'd rather see a character's face and their eyes and like right the micro expressions or thoughts that briefly cross their mind for a fraction of a second totally yeah um, i agree and it seems like it's probably way harder to shoot it the way they shot it too like it seems like it's probably a lot of effort to have all these different angles and all these different cuts but to me it doesn't help i it made me appreciate even though i gave the movie a bad score <laughs> It made me appreciate bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh, okay. I feel like that was a movie with the power out in the dark that was shot really well, very clearly, and still happened, still had a lot of intensity without being so frenetic that you couldn't catch your breath. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of knew where you were the whole time and had a sense of the house. Uh, Yeah. You're right. That action played out a lot better in that one. Yeah. Um, what, what would you like to say? I, I need to just tone myself <laughs> take down, take a, a few deep breaths. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like the, the, there was a lot packed into this movie. Um, to me, it felt a little bit like an elevated home invasion film. Like, uh, you have the standard, there's a family at home. People are trying to break in to kill you, but then you have this like kind of, um, social angle wrapped on top of it, uh, which, you know, I, I think is kind of interesting and adds for an interesting dynamic to what could have been just, you know, a standard film otherwise. Uh, you don't feel like that was like a decent wild card? Say that again. I'm still seething over my... I'm reading all the <laughs> notes of that things I haven't said that I hate. <laughs> you see you got more on there. <laughs> well... Uh, no, I, I, I just think that it's an elevated home invasion film with it, with the, they, they took a, a basic one and, and they added like a cool, uh, social layer on top of it. And I, and I think that, uh, is creative and, and separates us from other stuff in this genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad you agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think, I think the premise should elevate it, but it just 
doesn't at all to me. I, I I know we've talked about it a lot already, but like it makes the assumption that everyone in the country is a psychotic killer if given the opportunity. Sure, you could say that's a scathing commentary on people and humanity, but it is such a jump that I will beat a dead horse and just say it should have been played as a black comedy. It's so outlandish. I don't think it is seeing everyone in the country because here you are with a family that doesn't feel the need to do that. Um, So I don't think it is everybody. And I I I think, I mean, realistically, if we lived in a time of the purge of like this night, I would guess like 30% of society is doing it. College kids, like look at the people that are tracks, like college kids, neighbors who are upset about uh, the expansions that their other neighbors have done off their backs. Uh, I, th- I think it, it hits on a, a small group of people. So um, I was actually on the side of the neighbors on, on this one. Like I, I thought they made some valid points at the end in terms of why they were doing this. Like, yeah, that, yeah, do you, I, I think good, good for you guys taking some agency in your own hands. They didn't have to buy these security systems. Nobody was holding a gun to their it's, head. It's fear-mongering that happens in society. Like, we're sold all this shit uh, to protect ourselves or, like, the safety. And and that's, like, another layer, layer of comedy. Like, he's profited so much off of selling the shit to people um, to make them feel safe. But ultimately, he's admitting, like, yeah, actually, this stuff doesn't even work that much. So I just feel like at every level, this is kind of like a meta thing. Um, oh, the other thing, when you were talking about the purge, how this is on a social level, as well as like um, people like purging themselves, I thought this could be a metaphor onto the audience as well who's watching this film. And like you and I, we watch these horror films. Uh, do do we watch this for like catharsis or releasing some of our own inner aggression? And that's why we like get off watching these films. Um, I mean, it's, it's, this works on like so many different levels. I think that they didn't go hard enough with that him selling the security systems because he wasn't like, hey, you know what? These these things are a piece of shit. He was like, I buy them. They're the best on the market, but there's only so much a security system can do, <laughs> which is just like, <laughs> oh, okay. I That seemed like an angle the movie was going to take, but it was just like, yeah, these are still the best, but you know, there are things that can happen. Well, it's like, <laughs> That's just kinda, okay. That kind of fizzled <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. You went real hard and over the top on other themes but you're yeah. very practical and understanding <laughs> and even keeled with this theme like yeah oh yeah they just have a weakness well it's it's that false sense of security which i think uh it, you know it, it, anyone can relate to right like we've all we all kind of live in a society where we're sold that kind of nonsense but um, right and it, kind of back to the not in my neighborhood thing like i yeah. i i have the illusion of safety but right exactly exactly yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I feel like there's a lot here that you can pull out and apply to like where we are today. And yeah, maybe we don't have the purge, but there are a lot of like uh, behaviors that are parallel to what we do today. There is a line that... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> so the guy who's like the masked villain outside, one of his buddies gets all riled up and he just shoots him in the head, which is like a, a trope, a villain trope to do, to like yeah. just kill one of the people who's like one of your top cronies or whatever just to show how fucked up you are whatever but anyway after he kills him he's talking to james about like hey you got to send this guy out or like that's gonna be you and he says send out he or that will be thee (laughs) i missed that line that's what he said i hate this movie so much yeah yeah i agree uh no i i agree the dialogue is terrible and a lot of the execution here uh falls flat 
but I, I'm going to defend the concept because I, I feel like this had something to say uh, underneath like the poor planning and uh, filming. I think it had something to say. I don't think it said it well. I don't think it was anything that wasn't said like explicitly in the dialogue. Like there's not too much to read into it and the things that you can read into it just aren't that intriguing to me i find it really intriguing like uh, look at these conversations we're having uh, classism war uh, economy impact on the stock market incarceration homelessness uh home renovations uh like you know the list list goes on all the stuff is so uh relevant to society today yeah i mean there the general point of like the wealthy succeed on the backs of poor people and they bear the brunt of society's ills. Yeah, I, I think that is a thing and a thing that you could weave into the themes and plot of a movie. Just because it's an interesting theme and this is the premise used to illustrate that theme doesn't mean it's done well in any way. Mm. Like, yeah, I just think it's done so poorly I think there's so many other routes you could take with this premise that would have been more successful, made more sense, or just changed the tone of the movie. Yeah, I I just, I was so frustrated. Sure. Did yeah. you know that about it? Did you get the sense that I wasn't enjoying it? No. <laughs> this, Can you tell I'm frustrated? I thought this was like going to be your favorite movie of the year so far. <laughs> pretty excited about this one. Uh, I, I, I agree, man. There's, there's a lot that could have been improved here. Uh, and yeah, I, I think totally they could have made much smarter decisions dialogue-wise. Uh, even like what's what we see happening on screen could have been a much sharper movie, which which is kind of frustrating. All right, well, let's see. Zero to five hidden rooms that you refuse to hide in. <laughs> when it really matters. <laughs> uh, I gave it two and a half uh, hidden rooms that uh, you'd uh, not hide in. Uh, because, uh, yeah, cool cool uh, concepts, not very well executed, but a nice twist on the usual formula for a home invasion film. Uh, what about you? I give it one out of five. Damn, damn. That yeah. may be my lowest rating of the year. Wow. Yeah, saved it for the purge. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sorry too to anybody who likes this movie. It's even I mean, hearing you talk about it, Ashwin, like you're reading it differently than me. You're not taking it quite as seriously as I'm taking it. I can see sitting through it and enjoying it, but to me, it was just so. There were so many things that were frustrating that it was hard to come back up for air. See, so you don't and, think it find, you don't think it works as just like a basic, like popcorn movie either. I don't even think it works as that. It's, it's not that thrilling to me. Like he, he, her boyfriend comes down to shoot her dad and they just a couple shots are fired. And then that's that and he's <laughs> dead. And, and the yeah. dad's alive yeah. and nothing really has done in a, provocative way people come and go dropping in and out i mean that's frustrating on a practicality sense that okay they're just gone everyone's in the same house <laughs> yeah but also like it's just like total lack of drama that people just disappear and now it's somebody else's turn to be part of the scene like 
That part's really How are they going through this together? How are they interacting together? They're by themselves a lot of the time. Like, are you not like hearing the gunshots going off in the house where people are? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just very, it's not compelling at all. It's almost like its biggest bread and butter is the action that happens once the dad starts to fight back. Sure. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah. The movie is kind of just like in waiting mode until then. But I do yeah. like in that third act, uh, that rather than uh, you know just ending on like the home invaders, the I thought the neighbor twist. Uh, I, I I appreciated that. I feel like a oh, cool. You, you're doing like something here in the third act to move the plot forward to like bring in uh, the neighbors that we saw in the beginning again. Right, and they kind of alluded to that because she had told her they weren't having a party this year, and then they find on the security cameras there is a party and they weren't invited. So <laughs> you kind of can guess something is up. I thought maybe the cookies that she gave her were going to be poison oh, or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed you didn't find that the whole neighbor thing funny, man. That that killed me. That <laughs> There are two parts that killed me in this movie. That, 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 I found it funny, but yeah. not in a good way. Oh, <laughs> the other part I found really funny was, you know how the sister just like went missing like after like her boyfriend got shot? Um, we see her again, like show up on the video camera, like as the sun's like driving the, uh, the robot around, <laughs> it's like, we forgot all about her. And then she shows up on there. <laughs> it's like, like oh, hanging out after my boyfriend tried to kill my dad and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah. And... I'm going to go into that secret spot that <laughs> that kind of kills me too. Yeah. There's some clumsy, uh, that work here on, on the story, Yeah, but it's very clumsy. Yeah. All right, man. Sorry, everybody. I'm. Turkey, somebody really peed in my cereal this time. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> yeah. I've been kind of angry this year. I've, I've given a lot of negative reviews lately. I know, man. The last few films, uh, been it's been rough. I'm kind of just, I'm purging my own emotions lately. I think that's what's happening, yeah. Everyone yeah. gets one. I think I've just, I've started and it just keeps going. <laughs> also, that's like, psych- I think the field of psychology has like kind of determined like, if you like yell or like get something out, it doesn't necessarily mean you're all better. Like it's probably just going to make you more likely to keep doing that activity. Really? Psychology determined that? I feel like I've read things like this, but Mm. I know we have listeners in the field of psychology. So they should just tell us they can tack (laughs) onto the email where they're already telling me what an asshole I am (laughs) for this review that like, no, that's not how it works. But I'm pretty sure like if you feel like, okay, I'll just start yelling to deal with my anger. Then that's the neural pathway you're carving is like, I yell when I'm angry now. Mm, I see. I see. If I go kill somebody, it's not like I'm like, ah, I feel better. (laughs) Like I'm all better now. Hmm. I thought that's the whole logic behind people working out is like, you get that, uh, stuff out of you. Sure, right. Now that's a productive way to deal with those things. And then that will carve the pathway that I'm stressed. I need to do something that will relieve the stress. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Not necessarily something that will add more stress. Yeah, which yelling might do. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Or murdering somebody. What the hell? What am I even talking about? (laughs) All right. That was our episode on The Purge 2013. Uh... (laughs) Hopefully you found something to enjoy in it. Uh, if you want to contact us, go to horrormovieclub.com. Click on the social links drop down to find Facebook and Twitter where we're announcing what movie we're covering next week. Click on the Discord link to interact with other listeners and horror movie fans. We've got a great community there. I'm talking on there a lot. You can come on there and see if you're lucky enough to witness Ashwin drop in occasionally. 
If you Google Horror Movie Club coaster set, you'll find a little coaster set with our logo and some cool pop art images of some famous horror characters. Uh, you can buy those from Amy May Pop Art on Etsy.com. She did our logo as well, so thank you, Amy. And until next time, I don't have an until next time. If you until next time, if you drank a little bit too much beer and you really hated a movie, try to rein it in a little bit so that your friend continues to do a podcast with you, <laughs> so that you don't lose all your listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, don't worry, man. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll take it out on you. I'm coming over to shit on your face pretty soon. <laughs> Purge it out. <laughs> you won't find me. I'll be at the store stealing candy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, man, that, I think that's a great idea for me. The, the next purge. <laughs> the minor crimes. <laughs>